Well, good morning and welcome again to our online service this morning. We're so glad that you've chosen to spend these moments with us. You're joining us in week one of a message series that we've called Jehovah, where we're going to be looking at the, the names of God or some of the names of God. If you were with us before Christmas, we went through a message series where we looked at some titles that were given to Jesus by the prophet Isaiah, where Isaiah said Jesus would be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, and a Prince of Peace. And we had, we had such a good response to that message. It was a really great response. People saying that they loved the message series. And we thought, actually, let's carry on and let's look more at, at who God is. Because actually, in our vision statements, our, our first part of our vision statements talks about reviving hearts. And, and in that term, it's, it's the act of our heart coming alive to God. And that's, that's our prayer for you, that there's something that God has birthed in you will come alive. The Bible says God has planted eternity in the human heart. He's planted something of himself inside of us. And, and our greatest prayer for you is, is what God's planted in you doesn't lie dormant, but actually comes alive, that you have a living, active relationship with God. And, and that, that's our prayer for you. But the, but the reality is many people don't know God. A lot of people, maybe you're watching this morning, you don't know who God is. Maybe your image of God is, is an old man with a white beard who sits on a cloud. And, and, and maybe his name to some of you has become nothing more than just a, a phrase that we use, you know, when we're shocked or, or when we're upset. So I want to ask the question, how, how can we have a relationship with someone we don't know? And at the start of the year, we want to help you understand who God is or help you in, in, in some small way, help you understand who God is by looking at some of the names that are given to God in the Bible. I don't know if you know this, but there are 85, over 85 different names for God. Each one reveals one more aspect of his character uh, and his power. Now, we're not going to do all 85. We're just going to focus on eight. And we're going to do them through the lens of a really famous psalm. And, and you may have heard this psalm, Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 starts off with these famous words, The Lord is my shepherd. Now that phrase, the Lord, uh, is translated as Jehovah. Um, but the, the word Jehovah isn't actually in the Bible. That's a Latin translation of, of a word that God himself gives to Moses when, when God tells Moses his name. And the actual Hebrew would be the word that, that we've translated as Yahweh. And we get these four letters, he, vav, he, yod. But in Hebrew, they read from right to left. So if we turn that around, we get Y, H, a V, and a H. Now, now, some people say that V should be a W, but it doesn't really matter either way. Now, Hebrew doesn't have vowels, so when you say this, when you, when you kind of try to say this word, you, it, it sounds like, which I love, you know, when you, when you say the word of God, it sounds like a breath. So even, even as we breathe, we are uttering the name of of God. But the Jews believed that God's name is sacred. It should never be uttered. So what they did over time is they took the letters and they added in vowels from another Hebrew word for Lord, which is Elohim. And then over time in different translations from Hebrew to Latin to German, that Y becomes a J and we get the words Yahweh or in, in, a, in a more Latin English translation, we get the word Jehovah. 
And just to pause there for a moment, because what's amazing is that in this word Jehovah, we're reminded of a God who's relational, who, who wants us to know his name. And it comes from when, when Moses is in the wilderness and he sees this burning bush and it's God speaking to him through a bush. And, and God says to Moses, go to Pharaoh, tell him to let my people go. And Moses says, well, who shall I say is sending me? And God gives him his name, Yahweh, or in our translation, Jehovah. And it just reminds us every time we see this word Jehovah, and we'll see it through the next eight or so weeks, this word Jehovah should remind us of a relational God who wants relationship with his creation. You know, God just does, doesn't just sit in heaven and kind of move us around like pieces on a chessboard, but he chooses to be present with us. He was present in the garden with Adam and Eve. He was present with Moses. He was present with the Israelites as they went out into the wilderness. He was present with the Israelite nation when he was in the temple. His son, Jesus, was present on earth. He lived among us, and he lived among us to take away the sins of the world. When Jesus died, was risen, rose again, and ascended to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit to be present with us, in us, working through us. God is a relational God, you know, another word the Bible uses for God is Emmanuel, God who is with us. So when you hear that word Jehovah, always remember that it is speaking of a relational God, a God who is with us. And then David says this, Jehovah Roy, the Lord, the relational God, he's my shepherd. And I want you to catch that because we're talking again about a relational God, Jehovah Roy, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, it doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd or the Lord is the shepherd. He's my shepherd. This relational God, he's my shepherd. It's personal to me. He's my personal shepherd. And if you only take away one thing from this morning, you can, you can say to yourself with total confidence that the God who created the universe is your shepherd. He's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's mine. It's personal. It's relational. And there's so much to say about shepherds that we couldn't possibly cover it in in one week. So we're going to use these next eight or so weeks just to unpack uh, different aspects, different qualities of shepherds and looking at it through the lens of Psalm 20. Three, and, and we'll, we'll look at the qualities of, of God and in Jesus as, as a shepherd to us. You know, the Bible says he's a shepherd for our souls. But, but we see this throughout the Bible, that the God who's the, the creator of heaven and earth, the God who put the stars in their place, actually he has a personal interest in us. And this theme of shepherds comes all the way through. Psalm 95 says this, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. The God who made us, he cares for us, he watches over us, he loves us, and even gives his life for us. Jesus says this about himself, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. 
And if you read through John chapter 10, there's so much in there about Jesus being a shepherd. And actually, it's one of Jesus' favorite descriptions of himself was as a shepherd. And one of his favorite descriptions for the church, for the followers of Jesus, was the flock. That's why we have the parable of the lost sheep. It's a metaphor for Jesus being that shepherd and us being the sheep. Psalm 100 says this, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us And we are his. Again, there's that idea of this all-powerful creator God, but who wants relationship with us. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. And throughout Jesus' ministry, we see Jesus talking about shepherds and sheep and flocks. And what he's doing, as he did through a lot of his ministry, he talked in ways that people would understand. Everything he spoke would be contextual for the people in a way they could understand. And and everyone knew about shepherds. Everyone knew about shepherds. And, And in those days, if a shepherd was to lose his life, it would be disastrous for the sheep. But, but when threat to the sheep's welfare comes, it was, it was the shepherd's job to stand, uh, stand in the gap, to stand between any danger uh, that's, that's coming and protect those sheep. The, the problem was shepherds couldn't be trusted. In the Jewish Talmud, there's a, there's a compilation of rabbinic teaching, and it says this, that if one wolf attacks a flock, then the shepherd is responsible for any lost sheep. And they use the term unavoidable accident and, and and if it's only one wolf then as far as the law is concerned the shepherd is responsible as far as the law was concerned that was unavoidable because it was only one wolf or only one animal but if two wolves attacked then that was fine that was okay it, it does count as an unavoidable accident so so if you were a shepherd and and one wolf attacked your flock you were responsible for the flock but if if two or more came you were well within your rights to scarper you it was okay for you to run away you could just leave the leave the sheep to it and and that was done because in reality the shepherd was only really bothered about his wages the shepherd was was, wasn't concerned about the sheep he was concerned about the money he was going to make for for looking after these sheep so when a wolf would come along that the shepherd would scarper and so they they put that in the law to say listen if it's only one wolf if it's only one animal that's attacking your sheep you're responsible and they did it to kind of protect the 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 property of the the owners of the sheep and and we know from other jewish teaching that shepherds were not well respected as, as a profession it's regarded one level above tax collectors and we know from from the bible how hated tax collectors were it was thought that shepherds were cheats, uh, that they made their living as cheats and thieves. It was in the Jewish law, if you wanted to buy m- milk or wool, you didn't buy it from a shepherd. It was actually illegal because the, 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 um, the, the suggestion was the shepherds had probably stolen it. So you didn't buy from shepherds. They, they could not be trusted. If you were a witness to a crime or a crime happened to you and a shepherd saw that crime happening, they couldn't be used as witnesses in a court because they were, they, they were that distrusted. You could not use a shepherd's testimony. And that's why Jesus says, listen, I know, you, I know shepherds have got a bad rep, but I'm the good shepherd. I'm the shepherd that can be trusted. I'm the shepherd that speaks the truth. Jesus said this, I'm the good shepherd. This good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I'm the good 
shepherd. I'm not interested in self-preservation, but I stand between danger and my people. I'm there to protect them. I'm willing to lay my life down for my sheep. You know, Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's Jesus talking about the devil. And that's the only thing the devil will do. He'll, he'll steal, kill, and destroy. If you allow him, he'll steal your joy, he'll kill your dreams, and he'll destroy your future. But Jesus says, I've come that they, that's you, may have life and have it to the full. I have come that, that you might have Life. Now that life in, in the Greek is the word zoe, and it doesn't just mean life as in breathing. It means abundant life. It means a full life, an active, a vigorous life. And he says that you can have that life, that full, uh, abundant life. You can have it in abundance. You can have even more of it. That's what Jesus is saying here. This is life to the full. It's the same Greek that Jesus uses in that famous phrase John 3:16 God so loved the world that he gave his only son so whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life life in abundance life in all its fullness a vigorous active vibrant life so this is where we get Jesus this good shepherd who offers us Life. You know, the writer of Hebrews goes one further than saying he's a good shepherd. He says that he's the great shepherd of the sheep who ratified that. That means he confirmed it. He confirmed an eternal promise, an eternal promise with his blood. What's the promise? That we get to live an abundant life in him and we get the promise of an eternity in heaven. So how do we get that? Well, Jesus actually tells us, he says, I'm the shepherd, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And that's the reality. We don't have to earn anything. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to work for anything. All Jesus says is my sheep hear my voice and they follow you know, in Jesus' time, it was common for shepherds to, to gather together their flocks. If they were groups of shepherds on the same hillside or in the same fields, there may be times where they gather their flocks together. And each shepherd had a particular call that the sheep would hear and would recognize. So they, they would gather all the sheep together, and when they wanted to disperse, the shepherds would give their particular calls, and the sheep would follow that call. There's a famous story that the, the famous writer Kenneth Bailey writes in, in a fantastic book called The Good Shepherd. And he tells the story of an orphan shepherd boy who, who, along with the rest of his village, have had all their goats and their sheep seized by a corrupt government. And the government said to the shepherds, okay, you can, you can have your sheep back, but you've got to buy them. You have to buy back your sheep. And so this shepherd somehow had enough money, this little orphan shepherd boy, he had enough money to go and buy his sheep. He only had about six or eight, but they were all he had. And he had this money and he went to the compound where these, these sheep were being kept. And there was hundreds and hundreds of sheep and goats and lambs. And he, and he gave his money to one of the officials. And the officials just laughed and said, fine, you can take your sheep, but only yours. You've got to find your sheep out of the, these hundreds of sheep. If you can find your sheep, fine, you can take them. Now, don't just pick eight random sheep. They've got to be your sheep. 
And the boy looked at the, 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 the mass of sheep. He looked at the official and, and he smiled. And he just gave his call. And what happened to everyone's amazement that eight sheep took themselves out of the crowd, took themselves out of where they were all gathered, and they followed the boy. And the boy walked home with his eight sheep. Those sheep separated themselves from the rest of the animals and they just followed their shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You know, the difference between Jesus and this shepherd boy is, is of course, that Jesus can pick us out from the crowd. Jesus does pick us out from the crowd. He knows us. There's a Greek word, gnosko. He intimately knows us. But as sheep, we need to know his voice. And it's not just about recognizing Jesus' voice. It's about following it. The psalm says this, we are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. Now watch what it says next. If only you would listen to his voice today. Now notice in both texts, it doesn't say anything about hearing. They both say, listen. And then hearing and listening are two separate things because, because all those sheep in that compound, they heard that shepherd boy's call. All the sheep heard it, but eight listened. Eight were listening and eight recognized it and eight followed it. And I, and I think this is what the psalmist and, and what Jesus are, are getting at. Listen to my voice. Can I suggest there's a parallel between the, the shepherd and Jesus that, that, that just like those sheep, actually we've been taken. The Bible says we've been taken captive. We've been held captive. And Jesus comes along and he pays the price for us to be free. The problem is we're still in the pen. And then Jesus calls us and it's up to us to walk out of that pen to follow the voice of the shepherd. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. He gave his life so we could live. He sacrificed his life for us, died so we could be free. His blood paid the price to end our captivity. And, and all it takes for us to be free is to hear his voice and follow him to leave that enclosure, to leave that, that compound, to leave where we're being held captive. We're free to walk. We just need to listen to his voice and start walking. David says in another psalm, he says, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. My heart has heard you call. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. This morning, we want to give you an invitation to come back to your shepherd, to come back to the good shepherd, your personal shepherd, to be in an, in an intimate relationship with God. You know, God knows you already, and he's calling you, and he just wants your heart to say, God, I'm coming to come back to the flock. And you might be watching this and thinking, yeah, but I'm not in the flock. I've, 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 I've gone astray or, you know, maybe you were, you were never in the flock to start with. Maybe this is the first experience you've had of a, of a church service, maybe the first time or the first time in a long time and you, you haven't had that ex experience or, or maybe you've been part of it and you've, you've wandered away. And wherever you are with God, I want to invite you 
this morning to come home, to come back to the shepherd because Jesus is calling you. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants you. He wants relationship with you. He's calling you to come and know him, not just intellectually, but to know him relationally, to know the good shepherd. And, and you might be, be asking, well, how do I do that? What do, what do I need to do? Do I need to buy a book? Do I need to do it? Actually, you don't need to do anything. The only thing you do need to do is just surrender to his call and just say, do you know what? I'm, I'm not going to live my life my way anymore. I'm not going to be that sheep who wandered off. I'm going to surrender myself to the care of my shepherd. We're going to pray a, a commitment prayer and we'd love you to join in that prayer with us. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's the hundredth time. It's always great, even at the start of the year, just to make, reaffirm that commitment to our Lord, to reaffirm that commitment to the good shepherd, to, to make Jesus your shepherd, to make him your master, your leader, your guide, your provider, your protector, your pastor, your strength, and, and, and commit your life to Jesus, who is the great shepherd. Why don't we pray? Jesus, be my shepherd. Be my Lord. Today, I surrender control of my life to you. Forgive me for going astray. Come into my life and make me brand new. I give you my life. Thank you for the promise of new life and for the gift of your Holy Spirit. I receive all you have Father God, I pray for all those that prayed this prayer this morning. God, would you be the shepherd of their souls? Bring provision, bring restoration, bring guidance, bring protection. God, bring them life, abundant, full, overflowing life as they follow you today. And all God's people say,